0: Hey, how many toes were tapping on that one, huh? Wow. Great song. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you are the lighthouse in those troubled times and those stormy seas that we face in life. We thank you, Lord, you're our hope. Today, Lord, we need that hope in America. We need healing in America. Lord, we've got a lot of problems. And we look to you today to help us, Lord. And I know it starts in the house of God. You said if your people would humble themselves and and repent and seek your face, that you would heal their land. So, Lord, we repent corporately in this place of the sins of our heart. And we pray, Lord, for the healing of America. We love America, Lord. And we hate to see her torn apart. And we pray for the healing. It's in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Have you ever heard any of these expressions? Behind the eight ball. In a squeeze. Up a creek without a paddle. In a jam. Pressed between a rock and a hard place. You see, no matter how you say it, there's no tougher place to be than to be faced with a situation where there seems to be no human help or answer. There's another expression that many of us have used sometime in our lives. We use this phrase when we're facing a tough situation without knowing where to turn. We say something like this, My back is against the wall. Today some of you, may have your backs against the wall. It could be a vocational wall. You know, where you work, you're swamped. Deadlines, quotas, there's talk of layoffs and downsizing. Maybe you don't even have a job. It could be that some people's backs are against the wall because of something in their relational world. Maybe it's an impending separation. Or divorce. Maybe it's aging parents who need to be transitioned into some type of long-term care facility. Maybe you have a high school or a college-aged child who's out of control. And you don't know what to do. Your back is against the wall. I don't know if you've ever been there, but you really feel your back against the wall When you or someone you love have some medical issues going on in their life. There's a youth pastor at a church in the city where I live. And he has a five-year-old daughter, he and his wife, who has advanced brain cancer. And my heart goes out to that family. And they're on my prayer list and I pray for them. And I believe they feel like their backs are against the wall today. If your back's against the wall, I've been praying and asking God that He would use this message to help you. I want us to look at a passage from the Old Testament that is familiar to most of you. And in my Bible, this section of the Old Testament Scripture is entitled, Crossing the Sea. So with those two clues, it's in the Old Testament and crossing the sea do you remember the story anybody anybody you need to read your bible this week <laughs> you know the story the israelites they've just left egypt after 430 years of captivity and they're camped out on the edge of the red sea and they're there under the direction and guidance of god and their earthly leader, who is Moses. There are at least 1.5 million, and some say up to 3 million, men, women, and children, whose backs are against this wall, the Red Sea. Here's where we pick up the story. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said... What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. Now this is kind of curious to me. It's only been a few days since God sent the last of those ten plagues. And you would think that the Egyptians would have no reason and no desire to want to come after God's people. Shouldn't they have been glad that the Israelites were gone after those plagues and all the damage and heartache they brought on Egypt? But no, the Egyptians are coming fast and furious, and the Israelites see the army approaching, and they know trouble is on the way. The Israelites are in a tough spot. Their backs are against the wall. So what do they do? in the desert. Let's briefly summarize this passage. The Israelite people, maybe up to as many as three million of them, have their backs against the wall of the Red Sea. They're scared. And who would blame them for that? I'm not going to blame them for being scared. But then they get sarcastic with their leader, Moses. And they start imagining Worst case scenarios about what's going to happen to them. And I want to be clear about something. I've had my back against the wall many times in my life. And I know what it feels like to have your back against the wall. And I also know at those times it's very understandable to give in to fear. There are times when I've been scared when my back was against the wall. I also know what it's like to get into the blame game and say things I shouldn't say. I know what it's like to let my thoughts run wild and start imagining how bad things are really going to get for me and my family. And I can really get messed up with that kind of thinking. And as one who's been there, let me say it's unproductive to actually go through all this when your back is against the wall. Quick survey here. When your back is against the wall and you're afraid, do you make your best or worst decisions? Who makes their best decisions when their back's against the wall and they're afraid? Anybody? How many make their worst decisions when your back's against the wall and you're afraid? If we don't fight off fear when our backs are against the wall, our decision making capability is seriously compromised. If you're like me, you make your worst decisions in a state of fear. How about being sarcastic? Does anything get resolved in your situation by being sarcastic with your leader or your boss or your spouse? Listen to the Israelite sarcasm directed toward Moses when they had their backs against the wall... And the Egyptian army was bearing down on them. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? They sarcastically asked Moses, Hey, were they out of cemetery plots back there in Egypt? Is that why you took us out here in this desert area? Because there are cheaper burial plots for all of us? And then I love this one. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Again with the sarcasm. So Moses, weren't we begging you to leave us alone back in Egypt? We all had good jobs and we all had promising futures. How ridiculous. Kind of funny. Because we know the reality was they were crying out, begging God to get them out of Egypt. And this was God's response to them. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them, what is it? Crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. The Israelites were desperate to get out of Egypt, and to be free after 430 years of captivity. And now they're resorting to sarcasm. They're blaming Moses for their predicament. I want you to know when your back's against the wall, the blame game and sarcasm, it doesn't help. When your back's against the wall, and you don't know what to do, If you're like most people, you tend to get scared, and you may get sarcastic, but if you give in to this, it's going to only compound your situation. The last thing the Israelites did was to imagine worst-case scenarios of what could happen to them. I've been there. I've done that, and some of you have been there too. You spend a lot of energy, imagining worst case scenarios through worry. So did it ever help? Jesus said this about worry. He says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Jesus is saying here that when you or I worry, it doesn't help. It doesn't solve our problems. So the Israelite people, they're out in the desert with their backs against the wall, the Red Sea. They're scared and fear is taking over. They get sarcastic with Moses. They start imagining the worst case scenarios for their lives and their children. In essence, they're saying, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. And Moses steps up and he says, time out. Time out, everybody. This isn't helping you where you're going with this. We need a new plan. And here is what Moses said. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be, what is it? Still. Moses says, starting now, we have a new plan. First thing we're going to do is we're going to move into a fear-not mentality. Then we're going to stand firm, and then we're going to expect God to help us. That's the new plan. It was a good plan for the Israelites, and thousands of years later, in 2016, It's a good plan for you and me. This plan will help you when your back's against the wall. Fear not. Stand firm. Expect God to help. Say it with me. Fear not. Stand firm. Expect God to help me. One more time. Fear not. Stand firm. Expect God to help me. So here's the obvious first question. Is it possible to not fear when you're freaked out because your back's against the wall? Let me pose it another way. Is it possible to tame the wild, irrational thoughts that flood into your mind when your circumstances get really, really tough in life? How many of you think it's possible to not fear even when you're freaked out? The Bible says it's possible. The Bible says we can learn to tame the wild thoughts associated with fearful situations. The Apostle Paul wrote this. He says, And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Paul says you can capture Those wild, irrational thoughts. You can say to yourself, I'm trying to get into a fear not mode and not a freak out mode. So I've got to capture all these thoughts that want to drag me into a fear mode. Now God says it's possible to develop the ability to be in a fear-not position when you'd normally be in a freak-out position. Prayer and Bible reading are two constants for all of us in this fight. And I read about someone, and I want to read to you what he wrote. He said he used journaling to help him in this. He says, when I'm under pressure... And my back is against the wall, and I get some crazy thoughts. I'll write them down in my journal. And then I say, now these right here, I'm going to move over to this column. These are crazy thoughts. These are unproductive, wild thoughts. And I list them. And then I go, here are truthful thoughts. The thoughts I need to move me ahead. And I physically take a pen... And I'll cross out all the crazy thoughts. I'll go, God, you've got to help me get rid of these. I can't think these thoughts anymore. So he says, journaling helps him. And maybe doing something like that exercise might help you. I don't know. In the new plan, Moses said, after fear not, we stand firm. Moses says to all the people, I know you're afraid, and I'm trying to help you not to be so fearful. Yes, the Egyptians are coming, and I don't want you to start running around in circles and and getting confused with all the children and the elderly over here and all our livestock and our animals over there. And we all start running around and we break rank. He says, I promise you, it's going to make our situation worse. So Moses says, here's what I'm telling you to do. Stand firm. Don't give any ground to the enemy. And that's helpful advice for any of us whose backs are against the wall today and whose hearts are a little fearful. We have to learn to stand firm in our faith and say, I'm not going to make things worse. I'm not going to mess myself up and and run around in every which way and do something stupid. I'm going to stand firm for a while. And I'm going to give God time to work some of this out that I'm dealing with. Stand firm. Fear not. Moses said the last part of the plan is this. Expect God to help. When your back is against the wall... What you really believe about God is revealed. Let me say that again. When your back is against the wall, and I don't care who you are, including myself, when it's against the wall, what we really believe about God is revealed. When you've got something going on in your life, you feel the pressure of it, you believe you're out of options and you're backed up against the wall, you can say one of two things to yourself. You can either say, you know, I'm toast here. Heaven doesn't care. God won't do anything about it. You can confess that kind of belief in God, or you can have your back against the wall, and you can confess something like this. I know God's with me, and I know God's for me. God has a track record of helping His children when their backs are against the wall. God's done miraculous things for those who belong to Him throughout history. And maybe, just maybe, He'll do something like that for me today. The last thing you do after you fear not and you stand firm is you either trust God is going to help you, and you look to Him for that help. Or you bail out on God. And you say, you know, you're not the kind of God that has that much help to me now that my back's against the wall. That's the choice we have to make. Here's the interesting thing. It's very clear in His Word that God tends to wait for you and me to make a declaration of faith before he supernaturally intervenes. This is what was going on in our story. The Israelites were freaking out, getting ready to panic and and run wild. They were scared, they were sarcastic, and they were dealing with worst-case scenarios. And one guy, out of one and a half to three million people, one guy, Moses stands up and says, I've got a plan. He says, you can believe what you want about God, but I'm going to believe that he's going to deliver us today. And God sees Moses' faith. And for his faith alone, God does one of the most incredible miracles in all of the Bible. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. When I hear that word water, I have to have a drink. You know, we've all seen some Hollywood movies try to depict this moment in history. But they can't even get close to the reality of what really happened happen one and a half maybe three million people walking next to these walls of water on a dry bed the israelites get on the other side of the sea after walking through the open waters and they have a time of worship like they've never had before and i can understand that'd be a good time to worship wouldn't it and you can read about that in exodus chapter 15 And they're singing songs, and and some of the words would go something like this. You know, we have an awesome God. Oh, tell me about it. He stacks water up, and he can do anything, and he did it for us because our backs were against the wall. What do you think this did to Moses' faith when he was the only one saying, here's the plan, people? Fear not. Stand firm. Expect God to help us. When God honored His faith and opened the waters, do you think this made it a little easier for Moses to trust God for the next time? What did this do to the faith of the Israelites? Just days before this open water story, they had experienced the Passover miracle. The Israelite firstborn male children... They weren't killed like the Egyptian firstborn male children on the night of the tenth plague because their families obeyed God and they put the blood of the sheep or goats on the doorpost of their houses. And the angel of death passed over those houses. And now they've got another miracle just a few days after that tremendous miracle of sparing the firstborn child. The open waters of the Red Sea. And if you read on in the Exodus story, you're going to see that they're going to have the miracle of the manna and the quail. Why is God doing all this? He's doing this because He's trying to build faith in a people who need to learn to depend on and trust in Him. I believe in most churches this morning, you could find people who are scared about some situation in their lives. They might not admit it to you, but in the deep recesses of their heart, there's some fear. Their backs are against the wall. And in those churches, you can find people who are getting a little sarcastic about some stuff in their lives. And they're imagining worst-case scenarios. What if, what if, what if, what if? I don't have to tell you that we live in some very dangerous and perilous times. And if you read your Bible like I read my Bible, it tells me that things are going to get much worse. No matter elections, no matter socioeconomic development, things are going to get worse. And I believe we're all going to need this plan like never before. Fear not, people. Stand firm, people of God, and expect God to help us. Do you realize that you're writing your own faith story every day? You have a communal, cooperative faith story here with your church family, but you also have your individual faith story. And why do some of you write your faith story with a fear-based pen? Why do some of you always freak out when there's pressure in your life and when your back is against the wall? There's fear and there's blaming and there's sarcasm. And what about all that energy you're wasting spinning worst-case scenarios for your life? And I ask, is any of this working for you today? And I call you to a better plan, the one that Moses suggested. And put a faith based pen in your hand when you start writing the next page of your faith story. And you say, Yes, I feel my back's against the wall, but I'm not going to freak out anymore. I'm going to take those wild, irrational thoughts captive. I'm going to get into fear not mode, and I'm not going to give up and quit or do something to sabotage myself and my family. With God's help, I'm going to stand firm. Brothers and sisters, and you are my brothers and sisters in the Lord, you can make the decision that with God's help, You can stand firm no matter what comes your way the rest of your life. You may not be able to make all the stuff you're facing go away when your back's against the wall. And it may hurt you emotionally and and physically and spiritually like nothing ever has. But remember with God's help, you can stand firm. It's time that more of us manifest the kind of faith in our lives that says this. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, devil. We serve a God who loves us with an everlasting love. And why can't we believe he would open the waters for us? Don't ever forget that God loves you. Not just when you're in here. But He loves you 24-7. And He sent His Son to die for you, and that's what we remember today through Holy Communion. And He knows all about what you're going through today. And contrary to what anybody tells you, God cares for you today. Quit listening to the lies of the devil. And know that God loves you and God cares for you. Jesus Christ would have gone to the cross for just you alone. I believe God is waiting for your faith to rise up and for my faith to rise up and for us to say, I'm going to expect God to open some waters for me. Some of you have your backs against the wall today. And you have to decide how you're going to behave, how you're going to react with your back against the wall. And I'd like to say a prayer this morning for everyone who does have their back against the wall. I've been there. I know how tough and how hard it can be. And I want you to look at your future in light of the Moses plan. And how many of you with your backs against the wall are going to say, starting now, I'm going to do my part. Fearing not, standing firm, and expecting God to help me. And I'm going to take whatever faith I have at this moment, and I'm going to expect God to help me starting today, July 17, 2016. Are you willing to say, my back is against the wall, and I need to get on the plan that Moses gave the Israelites so many thousands of years ago? And so I'm asking, would you raise your hand if you're saying, in your heart, my back's against the wall. Just raise your hand if your back's against the wall in any way. And this is the plan I want for my life, God. You see my hand. God, I fear not. Say that with me. I fear not. God, I stand firm. Say it with me. I stand firm. And God, I expect you to help me. Expect you to help me. Let's pray. Lord God, with our hands up, acknowledging that there's something in our life that we feel like our back is against the wall. Lord, we don't know how we're going to get out of this situation. We don't know what's going to happen. But Lord, we're going to move from a freaking out mode and a being so scared into a fear not mode. Because our faith is in you today. And Lord, we're going to stand firm and give you time to work. We're not going to try to figure it all out on our own. Because we may get ourselves into a worse situation. And Lord, after doing those two things, we're going to expect you to help us. We have nowhere else to turn. And Lord, you are a great God, a loving God... And we look to you today to help us with our back against the wall. And I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. This week as I was preparing, thinking about communion, I thought about the time that Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I realized that Jesus had his back against the wall. You see, Jesus was fully man. But he was fully God. And in his humanity, he's there in the garden. And we read this in Luke chapter 22, verse 42. Jesus says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. The cup of suffering that was going to come upon him in just a few hours. Through the terrible punishment and crucifixion of the cross. And then it says, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. He kept at it. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus had his back against the wall for you and me. Just a few hours later, he's literally going to have his back against the cross. Crucified. Jesus loves you today. Jesus loves me today. I wish I could really, some of you I don't know that you understand that fully, that God loves you so much and He's not mad at you and He forgives you. And as we come to the communion table today, just remember the price that Jesus paid for you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. His back was against the wall, but He did it for you. He said, God, save me in this. But he said, not my will, God, but yours be done. He said that because of you. He said that because of me. Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ, your son. We thank you that in his humanity, he cried. He sweat drops of blood. I've never seen that in my life, Lord. But it happened because of the pressure and the anguish that he felt. His back was against the wall, Lord. And then literally, his back was against the cross a few hours later. Jesus, thank you for dying for us. Thank you that you're the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you that you are going to take us home to heaven someday if we put our full faith and trust in you in this life. As we come to take communion this morning, Lord, help us to remember the great sacrifice you have made for us. We are unworthy, but in that you counted us worthy because you loved us and died for us, and we're so grateful today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.